The Old Testament lesson, Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9 is the text. Grace to you and peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't remember exact dates and events usually, but this one I remember. At least I very vividly remember that it was Mother's Day weekend, 1993. Pretty sure that the storm took place on Friday night of that weekend. And so when the skies opened up and there were very close warnings of tornadoes and a severe storm, our family, Kathy, Nate, Ammon, Ben, Abby was still on the way. We went downstairs and we got under the stairs. And what do you think we did? You're right. We prayed. I don't remember if it was me or if it was one of the kids who said it first, but we prayed. You know that storms, severe storms, can do that to you. Drive you to fold your hands and pray, Oh Lord, come, help us. A cry for help is a good thing. Sometimes, though, we cry for help against somebody else. Sometimes we cry that the Lord would come down and He'd deal with them. Those people, the ones that are hurting us, frustrating us, the ones that we're convinced for a time are hurting and frustrating God. We might pray that It would rain down on them. Maybe not just rain, but worse things. Well, maybe you're uncomfortable with me saying that because you wouldn't do something that rude, that impolite. Probably not. But the Germans have a word for something that I think we know, sadly, what it is. Schadenfreude. That feeling of taking delight in somebody else suffering pain. And when we feel that, that schadenfreude, and maybe we even pray somehow that vengeance will be rained down on them, the truth is it never works out well for us. Whenever we ask the Lord to come down against them, We show ourselves to be very curved in on ourselves. And still we pray, Come down, Lord. Come. Help us. But sometimes the problem isn't the storm that's happening around you as much as the problem is the Lord. Sometimes He's the storm and bringing the trouble. Sometimes he's the one causing the mountains to quake and the hearts to tremble. That's what was in Isaiah chapter 64. We overheard Isaiah praying, O Lord, come down. Rend the heavens and come and help. Come down and be a storm. Open the skies but not just 
on them. We overheard Isaiah praying that the Lord would come down on us all. Not only on enemies, but on allies. That He would come down on this whole scene of trouble and heartache and tension, of fear and praying, this tangled mess of nation against nation and neighbor against neighbor and family against family, that the Lord would come down and help. That's the way we prayed today, in a very polite way, in a polite way, in the prayer of the church. I think it's the prayer of the church or the prayer of the day for the first Sunday in Advent every single year. O Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Stir up your power and come. Will he? And will he meet your expectations, my expectations, when he comes? Well, think about that gospel lesson today from Mark chapter 11. Did that strike you as odd that that was the gospel? On the first Sunday of Advent, here we are hearing about Jesus on Palm Sunday. Our culture is already celebrating Christmas, and we would have expected a story about Mary riding a donkey, but instead we get the grown Jesus in the last week of his earthly life riding into Jerusalem. But there it was. The gospel, this first Sunday of Advent, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, humble and holy, coming down to die. You see, God doesn't meet our expectations many times. Thankfully, He does not meet our expectations. But still we pray with Isaiah, Lord, come. Come down, not according to our expectations. And like Isaiah was praying for the people in his day about the 8th century B.C., we're praying it in the 21st century A.D. Lord, come and help. Help heal people who are on your mind and heart. Lord, come and heal that marriage that's on our mind. Help that husband and wife to reconcile again because of your mercy. Lord, come and help the pharmaceutical companies to build that vaccine and make it right and make it ready. Come restore order in our cities. Come fill your church again. Come meet our expectations. But not our will. Not our will be done, Lord. Yours, yours be done. The same Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the same Jesus who told the truth to his disciples about his nature in John chapter 6, and many, even most of his followers in that day, left him and stopped following. The same Jesus who was born of Mary, the same Jesus prayed that prayer. But not my will, 
yours be done. And it was the will of the Father to punish him. It was the will of the Father to unleash all the fury of God's holy wrath against my sin, your sin, and the sin of the whole world against that one who had come down to do his will, whose advent bestows the peace that the world can sing about but the world can't give. He came down in the flesh with hands, real hands that were willing to be stretched out upon the cross to cleanse to cleanse hands, my hands, your hands, that are too often folded in a way that say, my will be done, that my expectations would be met. And I am too often disappointed, I believe, like you, too often disappointed that His coming isn't exactly like the way I would have it. Because too many times in this world, as far as I'm concerned, the storms linger but maybe that's exactly what he's working with. So stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Come down, and you know that he has. He's come, and he has hands that not only were stretched out on the cross, but hands that while they were the hands of a carpenter could have been the hands of a potter. That was Isaiah 64 Verse 4, O Lord, you are the potter. We are the clay. We are all the work of your hands. He molds us and he fashions us according to his will. And many times he uses the storms that linger. And he uses them to crush us and then rebuild us with his good news. He does better, way better than meeting our expectations. He does better than calming storms. He accomplishes His will for us. And He even accomplishes His will in us, through us. And so He works for that husband and that wife who are on your mind and for whom you're praying. He works for them through your encouragement and through your prayers that they would reconcile by God's grace. He works through you to welcome strangers into the church so that they would know His truth and grace. He works through you so that perhaps this week you'll put pen to paper and you're going to write a Christmas card that doesn't just talk in a saccharine way that the world speaks of Christmas, but you're going to write about the Christmas hope, the Christmas Christ-centered hope that you have about the death and the resurrection of Jesus that is the hope for the life of the world. He accomplishes will for us, but he also accomplishes will for others through us. He has the hands of the potter, and he has come down, and we, because of his hands, are rescued from the threatening perils of our sins. We light those Advent candles, this Advent, with this ongoing refrain of we watch with growing light till God makes all things right. And He shall in His time. But back in 1993, under the stairs of our house on Roosevelt Street in Marshall, we prayed, 
Lord, come down. Obviously, we survived that storm, but it was just the beginning of a lot of storms. It was the beginning in southwest Minnesota of the flood of 1993, and it kept on raining and raining and raining, and the floods were great in our town, and all that water came down here, and we know what it did to the Midwest. We couldn't see his arrival. We didn't get his answer according to our expectations. The floods grew worse, and there was a lot of suffering, but not too much for him. He proved again to be sufficient. He always does. His death and his resurrection are the proof that he is always sufficient for the storms of life. He's come for enemies and for allies. He has come. And here we are still praying, come again, Lord. And God's people say, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding keep our hearts and our minds safe in faith in Christ alone. Amen.